Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Next Gen Athletics, the college sports podcast giving you all there is to know about college sports. In today's show, I'll give you my top five games of the weekend, my sleeper pick for game of the weekend, as well as my upset of the weekend. Then we're going to transition from the gridiron to the soccer pitch. I'll give you my halfway point season breakdowns for both the men and women's soccer. Without further ado, guys, let's jump right in. Welcome back to episode two. Episode one was a huge success. Uh, Before I streamed today, I checked and we had had 37 streams across all platforms. Um, I'm blown away by how much love this is getting. Um, So I just big thank you to you guys. Uh, Continue to support. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Go follow the Twitter feed at next underscore gen underscore A-T-H. And go follow the Instagram at next underscore gen underscore athletics. I'll be keeping you guys updated there uh, when things will get posted. Working on trying to get some graphics uh, done so we can kind of get different content out there, guys. Um, but a big, big, big things in store. Um, and this we can only go up from here, guys. So I'm super excited. Uh, just want to thank you guys again. Um, and let's get, let's get right into it, guys. Uh, like I said... I'm going to give you my top five games of the weekend. Um, and we got a big, big weekend coming up, guys. For, I think I saw something earlier this week that this is the first time um, in week seven that there have been three 6-0 teams. Well, not three 6-0 teams, but three 6-0 matchups um, across the across the, the nation this weekend. And, and all three of them are huge, big-time games. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, my top five games are these. All right, we're going to go in order. Uh, Michigan versus Penn State. Talked about this game a little bit on Monday. Um, this game is interesting to me. It's very, very interesting because Michigan has not looked uh, super great, to put it to put it mildly. They have not looked as good as they have the first three weeks of the season. Um, you know, Jim Harbaugh's side is is looking for an identity. Do they want to be? You know, more pass heavy. Do they want to run the ball more with their uh, rushing quarterback? Uh, Penn State looking to come in. They're riding the high, five and zero. They've had a good start to the season, so it's going to be an interesting game. It's in Michigan. I made that mistake on the podcast the other day, uh, saying it was in Penn State, but I corrected myself at the end. And I'm gonna correct myself now. It is in Ann Arbor, guys. It's going to be a very interesting one. It's twelve o'clock kickoff. It's on Fox going to be a big time game um you know all eyes are going to be there especially in the 12 o'clock window so um you know it's really gonna kind of set one of these teams up for a big run at the end of the season both of these teams still have to play Ohio State unfortunately for them um, however of the two Penn State playing Ohio State at home like I said probably going to be the wideout game Definitely looking like more likely for them to get the W over Ohio State. But, like I said before, I don't think Ohio State is going to lose to anybody. So, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, college football is crazy. I keep saying it. Uh, and I'm going to say it until I die. Um, but this game, you know, 
it brings a lot a lot into it. You know, Michigan's a seven point favorite. Over under is set at fifty and a half. You know, I think it's probably gonna be a low scoring shootout in typical Big Ten fashion. However, I'm gonna say this. Early in the season, I was very, very high on Michigan. I thought Michigan was a good team. I thought Michigan was honestly going to challenge Ohio State. As of late, Michigan's making me nervous. I said it the other day. I called them a contender, but they made me nervous, and I didn't really want to call them a contender. With that being said, this game against Penn State offers an opportunity for the Wolverines to showcase that either they are elite, either they are a contender, or they're not. Whether Michigan's getting that that overhype they get almost every year, or do they deserve that number five spot? Do they deserve that, that shot at a college football playoff? We're going to get a lot of answers this weekend, guys, especially starting with this game at noon. You know, I'm going to make my picks as we go along here, guys, and I'm going to go ahead and make, make this one, right? I don't think there's a lot to say here. Michigan's struggling. Penn State looking and saying, you know what, why, why, why not us? It's always about Michigan. It's always about Ohio State. Why not us? Penn State is going to come into this game with little to lose. There are no expectations. Not, not very many people out of Happy Valley picked Penn State to go to the playoffs. Penn State's got that, that dog mentality. They're coming in. Guns to the wall. Let's go. For that reason... And my good buddy Caleb Kluckler is telling me, I'm picking the Nittany Lions to upset Michigan in Ann Arbor on Saturday. Like I said, I just haven't seen enough out of Michigan to be comfortable picking them. And I think Penn State coming in with that nothing to lose mentality is going to be what they need to get by. So, like I said, guys, hammer the Nittany Lions. I'm taking them to beat the Wolverines Saturday at noon. Moving right into the next game. And I'd have to be an idiot to not say this was the game of the weekend. All eyes are on this game. Number three, Alabama. At number six, Tennessee. Alabama is a seven-point favorite. The over-under is set at 65.5. Tennessee last weekend went in the Baton Rouge and dismantled LSU. An LSU team that I think is pretty good. I, I don't think LSU is a pushover. I think Tennessee is just that good. Alabama, still uncertain about Bryce Young. Uh, Nick Saban earlier in the week saying that they were going to hopefully get him to play. Uh, but nothing is for certain. I think the only way that Alabama have a shot in this game is if Bryce Young plays. Now, from what I'm hearing... It's looking positive that he gets a chance. But how good is that shoulder? Can he throw the deep ball? Can he be as accurate? I don't know. The Tennessee defense hasn't looked great all year up until last week. But it's still a good SEC defense. A defense in the SEC that that held a good LSU team to 13 points at home. At home. So, like I said, Tennessee has definitely got a tough end of the season. They've still got this game against Alabama. They've still got to play Kentucky. They've still got to play South Carolina. They've still got to play Georgia. 
It does not get easier from here on for Tennessee. But this is a heck of a place to start. And this right now, winning this game, sets a standard for the rest of the year. You could argue that last week set a standard. I'm going to argue that this week really sets the standard. People love to say Tennessee's back, just like they love to say that Texas is back. I'm hesitant to say they're back, but if Tennessee can beat Alabama this weekend, I'll jump on that train. I will jump on that train full-heartedly. But Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach in history. It is hard to pick against the Crimson Tide. I don't care if it's in Neyland. I don't care if it's in anywhere. I don't care. When Nick Saban is there, his team's got a good chance to win. And Vegas shows it. I mean, Alabama's favorite at 7.5. And, a half. and there, we don't know if, if Bryce Young's playing or not. Nope, nobody does. But guys, like in the other game, I love chaos. When it comes to not my teams, I love chaos. And that's why I'm going with the Tennessee Volunteers to take care of business over Alabama. If Alabama have Bryce Young, I think it's close. I do. Bryce Young's a great quarterback. He's a phenomenal quarterback. However, however, I think Tennessee's offense is going to be too much. Tennessee defends the pass well. So for those reasons and more, the fact that it's in Neyland, the fact that there are going to be 100,000 people rocking to Rocky Top, I'm rolling with the Vols. Give me the Tennessee Volunteers over Alabama. Tennessee earlier in the week ordered extra field goal posts. That's the kind of confidence I like. and That's the kind of confidence that breeds winners. So, Tennessee over Alabama. Game two of the weekend. We're going to move right into game three. We're getting into the Big 12 now. Number eight, Oklahoma State at number 13, TCU. Another undefeated matchup. This game is, is going to be a shootout. The over-under is at 68 and a half. TCU being at home is a four-point favorite. In, in typical Big 12 fashion, I'm sure this game will reach the over quickly. <laughs> it could reach the over by halftime. TCU's got a little better defense than Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State is Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders is a great quarterback. He can throw the ball forever. I like Oklahoma State. I was disappointed last year when Oklahoma State didn't get a chance to go to the playoffs because I wanted to see what they could do. Last year they had a good defense. Uh, this year they, their defense is still good. It's not as good as it was last year, but it's still elite. Obviously it shows they're undefeated and ranked 8th eighth, eighth in the nation. The Horned Frogs are new to this. right? They haven't been super great in a couple years since uh, Gary Patterson left. I think the spotlight is going to be big. It's going to be bright. The game's at home, so that helps TCU. But I don't I, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the Cowboys. I'm going to roll with Oklahoma State on this one. Give me the Cowboys over TCU. 
Another upset on the road. I'll pick an all upset so far. But I'll say this. TCU have a chance because I think their defense is better. I think it's going to matter who has the ball last and how much time is left on the clock. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to hit the over. I think it's going to hit the over by a lot. I would not be shocked if both teams scored over 40 points. But I just cannot pick against Spencer Sanders and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. I'm high on them. I think they get business taken care of this weekend and go into the rest of the season looking to stay undefeated. Get into the college football playoff, potentially. So, just to recap my game three of the weekend, Oklahoma State, TCU, give me the Cowboys over the Horned Frogs. Moving into the fourth game of the weekend, jumping down from 3.30 to 7.30, the Clemson Tigers in Tallahassee taking on the Florida State Seminoles. This game offers an opportunity for Florida State to rebound from the last two weeks. Clemson's kind of struggled on the road this year by almost losing to Wake Forest away. Obviously, they were down a good few starters in the secondary that day, and it showed when Wake Forest was able to throw all over them. Clemson's got a lot of guys back on defense. They just recently got Xavier Thomas back. I think last weekend was his first game. I think their defense is going to be better. I think DJ has shown that he's a better quarterback than people thought he was coming into the year. Well, with that being said, Florida State, kind of like Penn State, they don't have anything to lose. They're sitting here at 4-2, and 2-2 two, two two in ACC play. They've lost two games in a row. That game's at home. Doak Campbell Stadium is going to be loud. It's a night game. Those guys will have plenty of time to get hydrated, if you know what I mean. Florida State's a good team this year. They give Mike Norville time. He's got his players in. Their quarterback has had time to develop. Clemson's favored at three and a half points. The over and under is set at 51. I think it's probably going to be a low-scoring game. I think Clemson's defense is pretty good. I think Florida State's defense is good enough to hold the Tigers to under 40 points, probably. I think if... If the Florida State offense can be consistent because they've struggled in the fourth quarter, they can't close out games. If they can be consistent for the whole game and finish the game out, guys, I'm going to have to take Florida State in the upset. I'm doing it again. I know. I'm picking the upset. I'm playing a dangerous game. But I'm picking Florida State. Given a little a little glimpse into my upset of the weekend, I'll go ahead and spoil it. But I'm taking the Florida State Seminoles to knock off number four Clemson at home in Tallahassee. Big time upset, big time game, 7:30 on ABC. I'm taking the Seminoles. I'm doing it. Hammer the Seminoles over number four Clemson. It's gonna happen. Just wait and see. Moving into our last game of the weekend, guys. And obviously there are so many games I could have picked from this weekend. So many top 25 matchups. I picked my personal top five. If you guys have anything else to say, I'm going to have a Twitter post up. Let me know what you guys think about my posts, 
my predictions, right? Let me know. I'm down to talk. If you want to try and change my mind, try and change my mind. I want to have that kind of banter, guys. But with my last game of the weekend, number seven, USC going to Salt Lake City to take on number 20, Utah. Utah is favored at three and a half points. 65 is the over-under. <clears throat> USC has not been tested by a team like Utah quite yet. Utah last year kind of blew up onto the scene towards the end of the year. Almost shocking the world and beating Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Like I said on Monday, guys, Utah was favored by a lot of people to make a chance at the playoffs. They've struggled. They lost last week to UCLA. They lost week one at Florida. You know, that, that Florida loss kind of looked like a decent loss at first, but now Florida's kind of uh, fallen off, so to speak. Um, they as well have a big game this weekend hosting LSU. Um, I think the Utes have got a point to prove. I think they need to show everybody that they aren't just hype. They aren't just a one-year wonder like like um, Michigan State kind of has proven. I think the hype was, was warranted. I personally was high on, on Utah going into the year. I had them in the playoffs. I'm a little disappointed in, in how that defense has played so far. I think that defense adheres them. I think that Utah side comes out angry with the point to prove. For that reason, since it is in Salt Lake City, Utah's got a point to prove, and USC has not been tested like this yet. I'm taking the Utah Utes over USC. Vegas agrees that they think Utah is going to win this game. Obviously, they show it. Line is at three and a half for Utah. I just haven't seen enough out of USC being on the road, playing a big-time team in a big-time place. I think Lincoln Riley's side is going to get tested. I think Caleb Williams is going to get pressured. And I just don't think they can handle it. I think in year one, they're just not ready. And that's okay. They don't need to be ready quite yet. They've got time to build. Lincoln Riley's a good coach. He proved it at Oklahoma. You know, he leaves Oklahoma. Look what happens to Oklahoma. He goes to USC. Look what happens to USC. Two completely different programs doing what they each did the other year, right? USC was kind of inconsistent last year. Oklahoma's inconsistent this year. Oklahoma's really good last year. USC's really good this year, right? Sometimes it's it's the coach. Obviously, it's the players. With that being said, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Utah gets the W. So just to recap, my top five games of the weekend, Michigan hosting Penn State. I'm taking the Nittany Lions. Tennessee hosting Alabama. I'm taking the Vols. TCU hosting Oklahoma State. I'm taking the Cowboys. Florida State hosting Clemson. I'm taking the Knolls. And finally, Utah hosting USC. I'm taking the Utes. Guys, hang in there. We've got another college football section coming up next. Uh, my sleeper game as well as uh, my upsets for the weekend, guys. Stay with me. We're going to keep this thing going. We're going to jump right into the next thing. So hang with me. Like I said, I'm going to try and make this one a little quicker than the last one. Uh, so far, I'm doing pretty good, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but let's jump right into it. 
Like I said, this weekend offers a lot of great games. But we're going to take a look now at some of the games that I think could potentially be um, sleeper picks for Game of the Weekend. Uh, I'm going to name two sleepers for Game of the Weekend um, and kind of give you some information on those games. So we're going to start off the Minnesota Golden Gophers at Illinois Fighting Illini. Both teams with one loss. Golden Gophers at 4-1, and 1-1 one, one and one in conference. Illinois at 5-1, and 2-1 and one in conference. Minnesota looking to rebound after a tough home loss to Purdue last weekend, 20-10. Illinois looking to continue to ride the high after winning four straight over the likes of UVA, University of Tennessee at Chattanooga, Wisconsin, and Iowa. This game offers a lot to be desired. Both of these teams have good scoring offenses. Both of these teams have very good defenses. Right, the average points per game for Minnesota is 38. For Illinois, it's 26. The average points allowed per game is 8 for both teams. It's going to be probably a low-scoring affair. You see that a lot in the Big Ten. But it's going to be very, very interesting to see how these teams respond. Right, The, the Big Ten West right now is kind of up for anybody's grabs. Right, at one point last week, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers were leading it. Um, I, I don't think anybody would have picked that to happen after they fired Scott Frost a couple weeks ago. So, you know, clearly, <laughs> clearly it's anybody's game. I'm going to be real honest, guys. Uh, the best player for both teams is probably going to come in Minnesota's Mohamed Ibrahim. He's their starting running back. Um, he missed last year with an Achilles injury. Uh, he kind of tweaked his ankle last Saturday. Um, but Coach P.J. Fleck says that he, is, he expects Ibrahim to be able to play in this game. When Ibrahim is on the field, he offers a completely different Golden Gophers offense. You know, the Golden Gophers have shown that they want to run the ball with him, as they should. He's got 567 yards in the year. Eight touchdowns. He averaged six and a half yards per carry. I mean, that's the kind of guy you want to get the ball. Illinois is going to have to be very, very sound defensively if they want to stop him. Personally, I can't say I've seen a lot of Illinois this year. Uh, they're one of those teams that you just kind of don't expect to be very good. And um, you, you blink and they're ranked 24th in the country. They're sitting at 5-1. and one. Uh, they got Arkansas's old coach, Brett Bielema, now at the helm. Illinois is just one of those teams that you kind of forget are there, and, and I feel that way about a lot of the Big Ten. You know, I kind of feel bad about it, but there are just so many teams that aren't irrelevant, but are irrelevant. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, sometimes Iowa, sometimes Michigan State kind of overshadow all the rest of the Big Ten a lot of the times. So I'm glad that Illinois is kind of stepping up and, and making themselves known and saying, hey, look, we're, we're still here. We've got a good coach. I'm a big believer in Brett Bielema. Um, I think he had a good thing going at Arkansas, and then obviously the wheels kind of fell off the bus quickly. Um, but I'm high on Illinois. But at the same time, I love the Minnesota Golden Gophers. I think P.J. Fleck is a phenomenal coach. I love his, his row the boat saying, and I think they're going to row that boat 
right through Illinois this weekend and get the W. Give me the Golden Gophers to take home a big, big win out of Illinois. My second potential game of the weekend comes out of the SEC. The LSU Tigers taking on the Florida Gators in the Swamp. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. Both teams sit at 4-2. and two. LSU is 2-1 and one in conference. The Florida Gators are 1-2 and two in conference. Getting that first conference win last weekend against the Missouri Tigers. I kind of hinted at it a little bit on Monday. I, I do not think Florida is very good. I think they've kind of rode that wave of beating some of the easier teams. Um, you know, they've got wins against... Eastern Washington, uh, they barely got by against the University of South Florida. Uh, they got beat by both Tennessee and the University of Kentucky for their two conference losses. With that being said, they do sit at 4-2. and two. They do have a crazy athletic quarterback in Anthony Richardson. They've got a pretty good defense. And they've got a coach that nobody in the SEC really knows a whole lot in Billy Napier. I think Billy Napier offers a different kind of perspective, right? He comes from from the Sun Belt in Louisiana. He's proven that it, it's it's hard sometimes as the new coach to recruit, especially at the high level when you're not used to dealing with that kind of caliber players. I think it's going to take time for Florida to kind of really get the bus going again. I I think, you know, it's one of those things sometimes that takes a lot. You know, you, you can see that across the country a lot right now. Uh, you see that with Wisconsin, firing their coach. You know, sometimes things just don't work out. You know, you see that right now in Blacksburg with uh, the hiring of Brent Pry. You know, that team looks bad at best. You know, I'm a Virginia Tech Hokie, but I'll be real honest. That team does not look very good. Um, you know, so I think Florida is just another case where sometimes new head coaches need time. You know, I talked about last week how, how Mark Stoops is in his 10th year. In his first two years, I'm pretty sure he had a combined like five games. I mean, that's obviously Florida has already gotten to four. They still have a lot of good players. But Florida fans have a standard that they set a long time ago in the Steve Spurrier era where they want to win, 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 and win. And they've proven they can. The Swamp is a great, great home field advantage. It's hot, it's humid, those fans are crazy. With that being said, I think LSU is the better team. I think LSU has the better quarterback in Jaden Daniels. And for that reason, I'm rolling with the Tigers. They're going to be looking to respond after last week, getting embarrassed at home by Tennessee. Like I said, I think that's more of Tennessee proving that they're just elite and less of LSU showing that they're not as good as they everybody thought they were. I think LSU is still learning. I think LSU is still trying to get better under Brian Kelly in his first year with his fake Southern accent. So, I think Brian Kelly is going to have a fire lit under the Tigers this weekend. And I think they're going to go into the swamp and get the W over the Florida Gators. Guys, we're going to jump right into my picks for upset of the weekend. And I've only got one. And it's only because this team is unranked. And they're playing a top four team. This is why it's my upset of the weekend. I've already said it. The Florida State Seminoles over the Clemson Tigers. I know I picked a couple different upsets in in my top five games of the weekend. 
But this one really stands out to me because Florida State, off the back of losing two games at home to a Clemson Tiger team that seems to be getting things kind of figured out with two big wins over Wake Forest and uh, a couple weeks ago against North Carolina State. I think Clemson comes into this game not looking at it as a trap game because it is somewhat of a rivalry between Florida State and Clemson. You know That used to be a top 10 game every year back when Jameis Winston was there, Deshaun Watson was there, some of those old elite quarterbacks. I think Clemson comes into this game looking on to the next. Right? They've got a Notre Dame in a couple weeks. They've got a big game coming up against Syracuse. I think Clemson forgets that Florida State is a good program. I think those two losses in a row are going to kind of lull the Tigers to sleep. And like I said, if the Florida State Seminoles can finish the game and show up in the fourth quarter, I think they get the W. And that, guys, is why I'm taking the Florida State Seminoles as my upset of the weekend. Hammer the Knolls. I'm riding with them, chopping all the way to glory. That's going to do it for our college football segment. We're going to jump right into the women's and men's soccer programs. I know a lot of you guys don't necessarily know a lot about the NCAA and how soccer works. So we're going to kind of break it down. We're going to kind of look at it from each different league, so to speak. Um, And I'll give you guys the top 25 and my three teams to watch going forward as they get halfway through the season into the back half and ultimately into the tournament and the national championship games. So stick with me, guys. A lot of exciting content still to come. Let's get into it. College soccer, for both the men and the women, is very interesting. Because a lot like college baseball sometimes, the best players don't normally go to college. right? Most of the time, those elite kind of top-tier uh, athletes coming out of the MLS academies, coming out of the different uh, programs around the world, normally sign those pro contracts. Um, and honestly, most of the time, they're playing professionally or, or you know on a reserve professional team by the time they're old enough to be in college. So a lot of times, you see these college programs kind of have these, not second level, I don't want to call them second level players, but these guys who were playing at at the MLS Academy level, guys who were playing at these elite programs in Europe, who weren't necessarily the stars of their team, who weren't necessarily uh, being offered pro contracts, just because... Why would you go to college and risk an injury not getting paid when you could sign a pro contract, accomplish your dream, say you did it, and and get paid and make your money? So to get that out of the way, that's what makes college, college soccer so interesting. There's lots of turnover. There's lots of guys who don't necessarily get a chance at going pro, right? There's only four rounds in the MLS draft. There is no draft for teams in Europe. Um, so, so it, it, it creates a lot of levels in the college soccer world. Um, for those of you who don't know, I'm an ex-college soccer player. Uh, last year I played at a division two school called Coker University, um, that we were ranked fourth in the country for a little bit last year. We won, uh, the Southern Athletic Conference Championship. Uh, so lots of great memories from doing that. Unfortunately, I had some injuries that kind of pushed me out, and I ended up here at South Carolina. But I kind of know how it works. 
Um, I'm trying to get um, an interview set up so that we can kind of explain to you guys a little bit more of it with my old um, head coach out there. They're having another great year. Uh, if any Cobras are listening, go Cobes. Um, but we're going to jump right into it. I'm not going to spend much time um, discussing the, the rankings very much, but I'm going to give you the top 25 um, from this past week. Uh, sitting at number one, Washington. Sitting at number two, Kentucky. For those of you who don't know, also big information, um, the SEC does not have a men's soccer league. It's just a women's, so a lot of the times um, they either don't have a team or, like Kentucky, I'm pretty sure this year they're playing in the Sun Belt um, along with South Carolina's men's team as well. Um, so that's just a side note because I know that probably is, is not something widely known. Uh, number three, Duke. Number four, Marshall. Number five, Syracuse. Number six, Portland. Number seven, Maryland. Number eight, Denver. Number nine, Stanford. Number 10, Wake Forest. Number 11, Louisville. Number 12, Vermont. Number 13, Xavier. Number 14, SMU. Tied for 15 is Ohio State and Cornell. 17 is Lipscomb. 18 is Clemson. 19 is the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. 20 is Akron. 21 is Missouri State. 22 is Dayton. 23 is UNC Greensboro. 24 is Tulsa. And 25 is Duquesne. Like I said, I'm not going to spend a lot of time kind of going over how they rank. Um, it's a lot like uh, college basketball in the sense that they play a lot of games every week. Um, they get together, and I'm pretty sure they vote on Sunday. Um, the rankings come out on Monday as to who's ranked where. Just some background um, on on these teams. Uh, Clemson is your reigning national championship winner. Uh, last year they beat the Washington Huskies, who is currently number one. And carry North Carolina to win. Um, Georgetown was also in that semifinal playing Washington. And Notre Dame was in that semifinal playing Clemson. Uh, both of those teams are currently unranked. But um, I know both those teams were ranked a couple weeks ago. So, um, like I said, guys, there's a lot of turnover in college soccer. You get a lot of programs who aren't necessarily very good. Who all of a sudden come out of nowhere and are very good. A really good case of that is Marshall. Kind of came out of nowhere a couple years ago. Um, beat Indiana, who's normally one of the elite of the elite college soccer programs, um, to win the national championship. Ever since, I don't think they've dropped out outside of the top 15. Um, but once again, it's one of those things where there's going to be turnover, and eventually these guys are going to drop out, and somebody else will replace them. Um, another team, Portland. Um <laughs> A team nobody really ever knows about. It's kind of just this small college, obviously in Portland, where you know none of their other programs are super great. I think they've got a pretty decent men's basketball program, um, but men's soccer is where they shine. Uh, they, I know a couple guys who play out there, um, and they say it's it's a basically a professional atmosphere. Um, they sell out pretty much every game. Like I said, nobody else in their school is known for like winning all these games. Yet here they are. They sit at 8-0-3, so they're undefeated on the year. So big things out of Portland. And you get a lot of that in college soccer. I think it. I think it's something that keeps it very interesting. Um, I know Akron is, is one of the um, all-time greats as far as college soccer is known. Uh, they're currently ranked 20th. Uh, UNC Charlotte as well, currently ranked 19th. So you get a lot of these schools who aren't necessarily big 
um, football or basketball or baseball schools. So you don't really hear a lot about them, but you have this fun sport like soccer, which, like I said, you don't always get the top guys. So it kind of creates this equal playing field, so to speak, for these college programs to recruit and bring in the best of the best. Um, so, you know, I, obviously I'm going to be favoritive towards towards soccer. I was a soccer player. I'm currently still a soccer fan. Um, but I, I think college soccer is a sport that's interesting, both on the men and the women's side, because it's, it's growing so much. So quickly, you know, there are more tickets being sold. There are bleachers being added to stadiums. Last year at the college... Um, college soccer semifinal and final. I was able to go with good buddy Thomas Woods. There was probably five to ten thousand people there. It was packed. It was loaded. It was something cool, right? People wanted to go and see these different events, these different games. That's something that a long time ago we didn't get. College soccer used to be a joke, and it's quickly becoming something that is an option for players to go and and get a good education, get their degree, and then get drafted. So I think quickly we're seeing this kind of transition from, you know, college soccer is this second level guys who didn't get a chance to go pro. You know, while that is still that's still the case, I think we're also starting to see that that some of these guys who might get a trial with a couple teams are saying, you know what, I've got this offer to go play at, at Clemson. I've got this offer to go play at, at Washington or Kentucky or whatever. You know, and play at this big time, big time school, and have a lot of fun, and go to college and get an education while still playing soccer, and still having a good opportunity to get drafted. Uh, you see that both in the men's and the women's game. Um, so that's just kind of my spill on soccer. Like I said, I- I'm very biased about it. I'm very um, knowledgeable about it, so I kind of know the ins and the outs. Um, like I said, I want to hopefully get an interview for you guys at some point. Uh, with my old coach to kind of just dive into it and break it down more because I think it's a very interesting, interesting thing. Uh, like I said, guys, I want to give some of these sports in college who don't necessarily get a lot of press, that doesn't necessarily get a lot of TV time, ESPN time, whatever have you, I want to give them a spotlight. I want to I shout out Washington's men's soccer program for being number one in the country. I want to talk about this. I want to break it down because I want you guys to know Hey, there are other things out there. there. There's there's other podcasts that talk about these other college sports. Right? It doesn't always have to be about football and baseball and basketball. There are so many sports out there, and there's so many colleges who you might not even know your college is good at. Right? I just recently found out that USC's men's tennis team just won the national championship. Shout out to them for winning the national championship. But that's something that I don't know because nobody talks about tennis. Right? So that's kind of something that inspired me to to open it up to more than just football, more than just basketball, more than just baseball. Right? There's so many different avenues for for college athletes to be known. And I want to make that known now. Guys, I'm going to take my time and I'm going to talk about these different sports because it's important to them that they are, you know, these are these are division 1 athletes and nobody knows their name. If you saw your college star soccer player walking next to you in class, you'd probably have no idea who he was. You'd probably have no idea he was expected to be the number one overall pick in the MLS draft. I want to change that. Not for them. Not just for me. Not for you. 
but for everybody, for these universities, for these programs, for these players, for you guys, for me, for everybody to benefit off of. So I know I'm ranting. I know I'm getting into something I, I probably shouldn't, and I'm wasting time. But that's my vision with this podcast. I want to give everybody an equal opportunity. I want to give these lesser-known college sports programs the chance to be heard, the chance to be acknowledged, and the chance to be praised. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I'm going to dive back into what I'm supposed to. But I want to make that clear to everybody. I'm not just a normal podcast about the big college sports that make all the money. I'm not trying to make a bunch of money off this podcast. I'm trying to have my voice heard. And I'm trying to educate people on the college sports world. Enough of that. I'm getting back on topic. My three teams to watch going forward. I, I hinted at two of these teams already. And I'm going to add another one to the list. My number one team to watch going forward is the Washington Huskies. They're ranked number one in the country. They sit at 11-0-1. Coming off of last year, had a great, great, great season. Like I said, losing in the national championship game to Clemson. They returned a lot of their stars from that season. I think Washington is gearing up to have another great finish. They're looking to have another great run at a college cup. And so that's why they're on one of my three teams to watch going forward. My next team to watch going forward is the Duke Blue Devils, currently sitting at number three in the country, 8-0-3. If you know anything about the ACC, you know that their college soccer on the men's side is the best of the best. The ACC is almost always having teams competing for national championships. They've almost always got three, four, sometimes five teams ranked in the top ten. Right? If you look at it right now, they've got three teams ranked in the top ten with Duke at three, Syracuse at 5, and Wake Forest at 10. Sitting right outside, Louisville at 11, Clemson at 18, and that's it. That's all that's in there. But you've got Pittsburgh right outside. You've got Virginia right outside. Um, you know, normally UNC is very good. Virginia Tech's very good. Um, some of these other programs are very, very good. So like I said, the ACC is the most competitive men's soccer conference in the country. It's the SEC football of college soccer for the men. The Duke Blue Devils last year had an opportunity to win the ACC championship game and came up short to Notre Dame. On their run to to that ACC final, they beat Clemson at home. Like I said, a Clemson team that was ranked number one in the country at the time, a Clemson team that went on to win a national title. Duke lost their top goal scorer last year from that team. However, they returned a lot of talent, especially in the defensive side of the ball. For that reason, guys, I'm taking Duke Blue Devils as my second team to watch going forward as we close out the college soccer season, getting into the playoffs and the tournament. My third team to watch is the Clemson Tigers. Clemson is year in, year out, one of those consistent top-level men's soccer programs. Currently at 18, sitting 8-2-1. and one. They were ranked number one in the country for a very long time before they dropped a couple games, um, I think one, two, the Duke Blue Devils, and Syracuse as well, both ranked in the top five. Clemson, your reigning national champions, like I said last year, didn't get as far as they wanted to um, in the ACC tournament, losing to Duke, um, and it dropped them actually outside of the top ten going into 
the tournament. But they had a great tournament run. They upset number one Oregon State in Oregon in penalties. Uh, keeper, star of that show, George Marks, um, is now at Charlotte FC playing in the MLS. Almost all of those guys who got got a, were seniors and, and juniors on that team are now playing in the MLS or the USL. So Clemson's my third team to watch. Those are my three teams that I'm really keeping a close eye on as we go through the rest of this year. Um, but enough with the men. We're going to dive right into the women. We're going to stay right with it, so just hang with me. We're going to keep rolling here. And like with the men, guys, I'm not going to spend a lot of time kind of breaking down the rankings. Um, but I am going to give you the top 25, and I'll kind of explain as I go kind of some of the the landscape of it, kind of some of the uh, the favorites, some of the, the normal people who are there, the elites to say. Um, so we're going to get started at number one, UCLA. UCLA is known for having a really, really good women's program. Normally they have a good men's program as well. But like I said, lots of turnovers uh, as of late. They've, they've struggled. Um, tied for number two, North Carolina and Alabama. Uh, quick side note about North Carolina. Um, North Carolina's women's program is like Alabama's men's football team. They are known for being the best of the best. They've produced countless stars such as Mia Hamm and many others. North Carolina at two, tied with Alabama. At number four, Florida State, your reigning national champions. Number five, Northwestern. Six, Notre Dame. Seven, Arkansas. Eight, Rutgers. Nine, Stanford. Tied for 10th is TCU and St. Louis. 12 is Duke. 13 is Virginia. 14 is Portland. 15 is Michigan State. 16 is Tennessee. 17 is Georgetown. 18 is Southern Cal, 19 is California, 20 is Ohio State, 21 is Pittsburgh, tied for 22nd is Texas and Xavier, 24 is South Carolina, and 25 is Penn State. Like I said before, the men don't have an SEC soccer league, but the women do. And a lot of times, that is is the top league for women's soccer. The SEC and the ACC for women's soccer is the best. And the SEC mainly because, you know, because of Title IX, there has to be an equal number of scholarships for the men and women athletes at each individual university. So a lot of times you see these schools like Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, South Carolina, some of these big-time um, SEC programs have very good women's teams because they have scholarships to give. They've got good coaches. They've got that SEC money as well as, as, as these extra scholarships to throw into the equation. So the SEC is known for having good women's teams, as well as the ACC. However, the ACC has a men's league as well. Um, like I said, I'm not going to spend a ton of time breaking this down. I'm just going to dive right into my three teams to watch going forward. Uh, my three teams, and they're all in the top four, actually, as it is. So, you know, kind of a, kind of a duh moment. But... Uh, my first team to watch is number one, UCLA. Uh, like I said, UCLA is known for having a very, very good women's program. They've got a good program out there who, who normally produces uh, very, very good athletes. Um, they currently sit at 13-0-0. Uh, so not only are they undefeated on the year, but they also haven't tied. They've won all their games. Uh, so UCLA going into the rest of the season as high, heavy favorites. Um, and I'm going to ride with the Bruins as well. Uh, my second team to watch 
not just because they're ranked number two in the country, but because of all the history behind it. I'm going with North Carolina Tar Heels. They currently are 11-3-0. There's three losses. Um, the reason they're not number one, obviously. Um, but there's so much history in, in North Carolina. Uh, they were national champions a couple years back. Um, normally almost always fighting for that ACC championship spot. Um, you know, last year Florida State got the best of them. Um, so I think, you know, they've been there before. They have the experience and the spotlight in that big moment. And for that reason, and because they're number two in the country, I'm rolling with the Tar Heels as my second team to watch going forward. And lastly, I just said this team, but Florida State sitting at 9-1-2 and two on the year, fourth in the country. Uh, I got the pleasure to watch Florida State earlier this year. They came to Columbia and played South Carolina. Um, they, they are a very, very, very organized, well-coached team. I can't say I've watched very much of North Carolina and UCLA, but being able to be in the stands and watch this Florida State team, you can tell that they know exactly what they're doing. They're a well-coached team. They've got a midfield who plays extremely well together. They've got a defense who's extremely athletic, fast, and physical. Um, you know, offensively, they weren't able to score in that game, but they created a lot of opportunities. Obviously, it shows. They sit at 19-1-2. One of those ties came here at USC when they tied 0-0 with the Gamecocks. A Gamecock team that was ranked fourth in the country at the time uh, dropped a couple games to the likes of Arkansas and Alabama that have dropped them to the 24th. But Florida State is a very good team. Like I said, they're reigning national champions. Like North Carolina, they're used to the spotlight. They're used to the lights being bright, being right in their face. For that reason... And because I got to watch them, I know how good they are. I know they've got a good coach. I'm going with Florida State as my third team to watch going forward. All right, just to recap, guys, my three men's teams to watch going forward are Washington, Duke, and Clemson. And my three women's teams going forward are UCLA, UNC, and FSU. That's going to do it for the episode today, guys. Uh, I know we covered a lot. Uh, we jumped across two different sports, so I hope uh, I presented it well. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Uh, follow the follow the Twitter and the Instagram and leave comments. DM me. Say, hey, I think you're doing a great job doing this, but you could do better doing this. Um, obviously, second episode, I'm new to this. I know you guys aren't new to this. Podcasts are a big, um, important uh, platform, especially in today's world. Uh, so let me know. Follow the follow the socials and 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 be active engage with me I, I like that engagement i want to get better so i can give you guys the best quality content i can give you right, but with that being said you can only do that if you follow the social medias right tell your friends to tell their friends next gen athletics is the podcast to listen to for all of your college sports needs guys episode two's done week one in the books I'm excited to get home. Uh, we're on fall break here at USC. I'm going to go home for the weekend, see the family, watch some football, watch some soccer. Uh, the NBA starts soon. It's a good time to be alive, guys. I hope you guys are enjoying life like I am. Blessed to be living every day. Have a blessed weekend, guys, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys Monday. See you guys later.